Hey everyone, producer Dave here. Thanks for checking out the Down Ballot Podcast. Be sure to check out all of our shows on your favorite podcatcher. Just search Echoplex Media. If we're not on there, please let us know because we'd like to be on there. Also follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Follow our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Echoplex Media. And give us money at Patreon, patreon.com slash Echoplex. Enjoy the show. Don't forget to follow us on social media for beautiful food and inspiration. Big small towns, big small towns 
right, everybody, welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Saturday, or whatever. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do, the show, we do the show live every Friday from 8 p.m. till about 9, 9.15. At least for now, we're probably going to change things up pretty soon as things open up and I start going out more, more events and whatnot. But uh, for now, it's for now. Um, if you're listening on the podcast, make sure you follow us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Media. And I'm Producer Dave. You can find me anywhere. What's up, everybody? This is the Councilman. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at T-H-E underscore Councilman um, and getting up on everyone's business in a bunch of other accounts. I think I admin at least 12 Twitter accounts, so you'll find me out there somewhere if you're looking for me. Um, good to see you, Producer Dave, as always. Hope you had a good week. Yep. Or two weeks, actually. We've, we've been off. We were off last week. Yeah, I did a bike party. It was fabulous. It's one of the big, best things about San Jose. Nice. Any Anything to report? Were you at the Monopoly board? I was at the Monopoly board, and it was fantastic. This lady with uh, light-up shoes kept giving me this red drink she called Fruit Punch, though. And by the end of the first regroup, I was done drinking, let me tell you. I had, like, one regroup, <laughs> uh, one drink, one beer at the second regroup. How does that impact your your DJing, uh, do you find, generally, being um, alcohol or... As long as I'm not obliterated, it doesn't matter, actually. I've been doing it for so long that um, it's like, uh, yeah, it's... Um, I'm less inclined to do um, like live remixing and like uh, like like uh, like twisting the songs around and like I'm I'm just less aggressive I guess if I'm drunk. Just playing the straight beats and just to, trying to weave a nice tapestry together. Basically. I mean, it's not like I'm not doing anything, but yeah, if I'm if I'm sober yeah. or a little stoned, I'm more inclined to do like more like beat juggling and that kind of like like live looping and whatnot. Have you ever uh, you ever used hallucinogens while DJing? Yes, I was part of the rave scene in the nine in the late nineties and early two thousands. Absolutely, I couldn't tell you anything about that. It was so long ago. I do like playing. <laughs> I do like DJing on MDMA. Um, that's if 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 I had my choice, I would be on MDMA uh, when I'm DJing. But I'm a little little old for that. Plus, bike party. There's like kids there and shit. It's not a good place to do anything like that. More of a family friendly event. Yeah, yeah. But I nice. opened I opened with a Satabria song and people fucking rocked out to it. Very nice. What song? Uh, Take my heart because it's exa- oh. it's 126 beats a minute right there in that range of the house music I like to spin. Um, the end's a little short, but the end also has like a part where it just kind of loops at the end. Mm-hmm. So I just mm-hmm. keep it looping, and as the next next song comes in, and I just play. Beat. I play another. I, this the next song that I'll play always is something with like a short intro that just like drops off into like a snare and like. Very nice. so, yeah, it was great. Uh, the first regroup was cracking. The second regroup was a little disorganized and there were kind of pockets of people everywhere. So I like played break beats, but the people that were at the second regroup got good and low and, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, uh Meaty Wench came, her kids came, her, a friend of hers came from up North in, uh, Redding and, uh, Juan Maserati also met us at the first regroup, took a whole bunch of pictures and video, but I'm still waiting on those from him. He's, uh, not like me in, in, the, in, in that. The way that I am like me, where I just post things immediately. <laughs> he'll get to it. He'll he'll get yeah. to it. He'll get to it. Oh, a bunch of people are following us. We can uh, get him a shirt that says that. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Don't it, worry. I'll get to it. Um, well, cool. I, speaking of following, we should probably get to the, the news. We should. So uh, what do we have for leading off this week? Well, it finally did happen. Uh, we've been following the story since last year, but uh, we finally had a sentencing in the unfortunate incident of the city council candidate running over another human being with their car while intoxicated and not paying attention to what they're doing while driving back to Almaden from Los Gatos. So this is the, the, uh, this is the, not the end of the story, I'm sure, because there will be a civil suit, but this is the result of the criminal uh, case against her. And I'm guessing she didn't win her election. 
She did not. She was not even <laughs> successful. And she actually, uh, the the winner won in the primary, which I can tell you, anyone can tell you, in an, uh, an open seat race for city council is pretty hard to do. That means they got over 50% of the vote um, in the first round with five or six candidates. So, uh, yes, this young, young lady did not uh, come close to getting into a runoff. New at 11, a San Jose woman with dreams to run for city council will instead spend six months in jail for crashing her car into a pedestrian killing him instantly. KPIX finds Maria Medina live in Los Gatos where that deadly accident happened. Maria? And Alan, the victim's family spoke to me tonight about their loss of a father, a husband, and why they believe justice was not served. To say that we were disappointed is an understatement. Today, Bridget Starkey sat in the same courtroom as Jennifer Higgins Bradanini, the woman who killed Bridget's father, Tim, in 2019, days before Christmas. You see the woman who killed my father in person is very jarring. But Bradanini, a former San Jose City Council candidate and president of the Women's March Bay Area, will not serve a sentence to the original charge of felony vehicular manslaughter. Instead, a judge agreed to reduce the charge to misdemeanor gross negligence. It was a shock, a shock to all of us. What she took from us is immeasurable and my dad's loss will remain forever. Tim Starkey was standing near his truck in Las Gatis on about to help put up a friend's Christmas lights when Brad and Nini crossed over a bike lane and onto the shoulder, slamming into Tim. Police say Brad and Nini was under the influence of prescription pills used for anxiety and depression. She said she didn't have an explanation for what happened. Uh, that it wasn't intentional. And Attorney Timothy Lundell knew Tim Starkey for nearly four decades. It was a life taken away that had so much promise, love, tenderness, fun, all the things that any family would want in a husband and dad uh, gone in an instant. My dad was just a lover of music and cooking for people. Despite the heartache, Bridget says she respects the remorse Bradanini showed today in court. It's what her dad, who taught her to live with integrity, would want from her. Bridget, what would your dad say to you today? I think that he'd be very proud for standing up, sticking up for him and defending his his character in front of the judge, in front of the woman who killed him. And the family says they were just trying to get through sentencing, but they will explore future options, uh, legal options against Brad and Nini. I also reached out to Brad and Nini's lawyer, but have not heard back yet. Live in Las Gatas, Maria Medina, KPIX5. Six months was more than I thought she was going to get when we first heard about this story. Truth. Um, I think we both uh, remarked that she'd probably get off almost scot-free, maybe with like probation or an ankle bracelet at the most. Um so I, it, thought, it, I thought I thought I believe my my take was that they were going to chalk it up to an accident, not not accident, not file any criminal charges or that the criminal charges would end up going away. That was my guess. I think I, I think we watched the tape. You were correct. Um, so uh, so kudos to the the district attorney for at least getting a no contest plea for a misdemeanor out of um, this woman for basically killing a man um, out of reckless negligence. Um so there you go. That's the end of the criminal case. Um, obviously, uh, the family has an attorney. Um, actually, he's a former former governor of our local Rotary District. Mm. 
a very good guy. Um, so they're very lucky to have a family friend like that. He's probably going to take on the case pro bono and he's probably going to sue the living shit out of this woman and her family and take pretty much every penny she has to her name. Um, and maybe every penny her ex-husband has to his name, depending on how their, uh, alimony situation worked out. Um, so, uh, yeah, or their joint property situation worked out. So she is nowhere near the end of the pain she's going to feel from this. Um, but she made a big boo-boo. And the sad thing, producer Dave, is what the good wife and I are privy to in that we roll in political circles here in Santa Clara County and San Jose. And so we are privy to seeing the noxious i would say almost um uh defense or more just indifference or ignorance or feigned ignorance or just uh brushing it under the rug that happens in in our circles among people who supported this woman including the local labor movement including many local democratic clubs and the democratic party all these people who got behind her and refused and didn't back down from endorsing her or supporting her and didn't ask her to drop out of the race even because this happened in the middle of a city council race any other person, any other time, this would be detrimental to a race. You would just drop out because you personally probably couldn't handle it and just out of respect for the whole situation, right? But no, she stayed in the race. She 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 stayed in the race and no one told her to get out. Um, so it's kind of, to be honest with you, it's that we're see, the good wife and I see more of the disgusting angle of this, whereas she still has a leadership position in some Democratic clubs. She's was the MC of a recent big time women's Democratic fundraiser. What? That there were some issues behind yeah so she, she is still you know regarded as a friend of the friends right um and it's like this kind of mafia omerta thing where no one wants to say and, and even worse because no one you know you're not gonna you're not gonna get whacked if you say something about this person right this is just polite company we even have rules within the democratic party about censoring people for this kind of stuff or removing them from the she has an elected position she's on the central committee you know like the, the, we have rules about it but no one's stepping up to say anything I even talked to us another central committee member the other day that didn't even realize this was happening because no one's talking about it right and no one wants to bring it up because we're all in this little polite circle and no one if it were them right we're all worried about if, if it was us one day and it's like good god help me like this woman killed somebody like we, we just can't stand for this at some point someone has to say something and unfortunately you know i'm not in a position to do it because i'm not a member of the central committee i'm not a member of that body but someone's gonna have to say something sooner or later because um this just can't stand and the fact that she got off with a slap on the wrist basically compared to what she deserved so um you know blonde almondin lady gets off because she has a good lawyer but the family's coming back with their own lawyer and they are gonna get some at least financial retribution i know it's not enough to bring their i mean nothing's gonna bring their relative back right um even if this woman went to jail for the rest of her life it wouldn't bring their relative back but um at the very least they can get something i'm just getting big i was checking my phone vibes off of this story Oh, absolutely. I mean, she was she was hopped. I'm, I mean, I'm sure she wasn't hopped out of her mind on uh, antidepressants. Oh, absolutely but, not. No, no, no. But, that's not how that but, works. But it's enough. But it's, sometimes it's enough. Like depending on what you're on, it's enough. It can be enough combined with distraction, combined with, you know, um, apparently. She, I mean, I'm sure it was a road she traveled many times, right, between Los Gatos and Almaden. That sounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I think it was Blossom Hill, Almaden Road, or whatever. So she's probably been down the road a million times. And you're right. You know, just. Idly check on her texts, her campaign manager texts or something. Hey, you just got someone's endorsement, right? Or you, you got five hundred dollars from someone. Oh, great! Boom, you know. Um, so I, I'd like to say there before the grace of God go all of us. Like it could happen to anyone, and it could, but it's more to me the repercussions. <clears throat> I would own it. This would kill me. This would absolutely like this would ruin the rest of my life. Even if I did 
didn't have any repercussions, right? Even if I walked away from it scot-free, like you you'd thought was going to happen originally, the shame of it would, would crush me. But no one seems to have any shame in this, in this situation. And that's what's really, that's what really is pissing me off about it. So we're going to keep following it until the day that she has to pay through the nose to this family. Um, Cause that's going to happen. There's just, there's no way um, it gets off based on where they are. The family that were the, the, of the, you know, the guy she hit was pretty well off. But I think the point of this is the point of <laughs> going after somebody civilly in this case is to actually punish them. Right. Like, yeah, it's the principle. It's, it's the OJ theory, right? Like OJ got off criminally. Right. Um, but the, the family still pressed the civil suit and they won. Um, because there was plenty of evidence to point to him doing it. You just, they just couldn't, they didn't get it done in criminal court. Right. Well, in that um, case, in this, I think the police went ahead and framed a guilty man. That was what it yeah, looked like to me. Right. And in this case, yeah, she's been convicted. Technically she pled no contest, um, to the misdemeanor. So she has, you know, pretty much pled guilt. Uh, <clears throat> so if they file the wrongful death suit, they would certainly, I think succeed. So she would probably have to settle at some point on that too, and make sure she, she didn't lose, you know, all of her children's and children's children's money too. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, the, it's not, it's not over yet, but yeah, it's just another, uh, I, w- I would have put this on down ballot, but I figured this was way too, um, this is pretty big news. I wanted to get to it up front so we could talk it out. Well, now it's time to move on to winners and losers. Um, this is the part where there either are no winners or the person Very you were rarely. rooting for is not who ends up winning. That's the, the fucking way this one goes. Last time we recorded, we did have a real winner, which I feel like maybe um, is detrimental to our show, and we'll try to never <laughs> do that again. <laughs> we promise, loyal listener, never to have that happen again. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, it's it's we're starting out pandemic style on winners and losers this week, um, just with the, the sort of top-level news <clears throat> that... Some of our local health officials, sorry, I got something in my throat here, uh, are asking all of our local employers to encourage and to mandate even that their employees get vaxxed before returning to work. Well, let's see. Let's see what the local news has to say about it. Hours after the public health officers in San Francisco, Contra Costa County and Santa Clara County recommended businesses make vaccines mandatory, Santa Clara County Administrator Jeffrey Smith required all county employees to get their shots. We know that about 80% of our employees are already vaccinated, but we think that the remaining 20% need to be vaccinated in order for us to have a safe environment to work in. Santa Clara County employs about 22,000 people, so that leaves about 4,400 who are yet to get vaccinated. Administrator Jeff Smith says they've had plenty of opportunities to get their jabs. This requirement is aimed at the holdouts. It appears to be a resistance issue some people just uh, aren't trusting of the vaccine, uh, even though it's been proven to be very safe and reliable. This latest push to get workers vaccinated is being prompted by a continuing surge of COVID-19 infections in counties across the Bay Area. The vast majority of those testing positive are people who are unvaccinated. Even before this call by public health officers, some employers have already required all their employees to have their shots. Every single person who working in our place they are vaccinated. And I think this is very important to any restaurant or anybody because of you are public service. You are dealing with a lot of people. The Federal Equal Employment Opportunity Commission issued guidance in June allowing employers to require workers to be vaccinated. Employees would have to prove special medical or other circumstances to be exempted. Sergio Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. That's great. 
I, I know a lot of people are very upset about it. I was reading, the, I read the comments on local news stories sometimes, and the comments oh, are uh, God. comments are just full of anti-vaxxers on all of these stories, like on Facebook. But this is good, and I think that um, I think that especially people who work with the public should be getting vaccinated. I think that it's oh, well, I think everybody should get vaccinated in the first place. Um, that eighty percent number is pretty high, though, so that's good. I think they're I think that the vast majority of that remaining, would they say forty four hundred? people they're not going to want to lose their their jobs like county jobs aren't the best but you do get health care and you get some like retirement stuff and oh yeah it's definitely worth it to like get the vaccine even if you don't want it even if you're an anti-vaxxer it's like the you can't possibly come out of the other end of that fucking calculation and think that it's ba- a bad idea to get vaccinated and go back to work you know yeah they're probably all sheriff's deputies that are holding out at this point <laughs> as we heard about in a previous episode of down ballot that's that's uh, that's Interesting, actually, that law enforcement uh, tends to be uh, the kinds of county and city employees who are least likely to comply when their job is to enforce compliance with what the fucking city and county wants. Well, that kind of frames you frames it up as to where things are at, you know, county wide. Um, how'd you like uh, county CEO Jeff Smith? He's, he's going to wake you up in the morning in a meeting, ain't he? Oh man! Oh yeah, he, he was. He was. He was. He, he sure was exciting, wasn't he? He's doc. He's a doctor JD. He's a, a MD JD. He's got a doctorate uh, in medicine and a doctorate in law. And he was also a, previously in a, a county supervisor up in Contra Costa or one of those Yolo counties. Um, so very, very interesting cat. But yeah, definitely the uh, human equivalent of a quaalude. <laughs> that's all right that's kind of how i i would i'd like my public health officials to be honestly like measured calm true well, he's, to- the, he's, he's the ceo he's like the big cheese at the county actually he's not even just the health officer like uh, dr cody he's the he is the big cheese dr smith so after um, some of what, after everything. some of what we've seen in national politics over the last four to five years this is that dude's being hella boring is refreshing <laughs> isn't it though right um it's 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 interesting i uh caught some of our former president you know, they, they played a clip of him speaking at some thing recently, you know, on the television. And I caught it and it just, it, it kind of was uh, jarring to me because I'd gotten so used to, you know, for four years, sort of stealing myself to it and just ignoring it, right? But then hearing it after not hearing it for a while, it was just, it was suddenly jarring again. But it's, and it's been pleasantly, like, nice not having to hear Biden, like, interject with some idiocy every five seconds or, you know, some tweet that he put out, right? It's just like steady Joe, just like Uncle Joe. Um Although I would like to, see, I would love President Bernie. Obviously, it would be a lot more fun. But, um, but President Joe has been been a nice, pleasant mellowness to it, like a fine wine. Okay, well that that lays the framework for where we're at. You know, locally, um, we're a little worried about the Delta variant and um, continuing to be safe. Um, however, Palo Alto is Palo Alto, uh, and uh, you know any sort of. Uh, any sort of government assistance or, you know, encouragement is going to be seen as more of a, you know, infringement on personal rights. So, uh, there's a, there's a father suing or family suing the local school district over uh, one of their mask mandates. Continuous battle over a school district's mask policy is heading back to court. The parent who filed the suit says his son's disability prevents compliance, but the school district is standing firm. KTVU South Bay reporter Jesse Gary has more. A.J. Gocek's son is entering his senior year at Palo Alto High, but a lawsuit filed earlier this month could overshadow progress toward graduation. Why did you file this suit? Well, I have to protect my son's right to an education. 
and also his safety. Gocek filed suit in Santa Clara County Superior Court July 6th. This after his son was removed from a summer school history class at Gunn High School because he wasn't wearing a mask. He claims his son, whom we'll call TG, to protect his identity, has a speech and communication disability that's worsened when forced to wear a mask. The PAUSD barred the 17-year-old from completing the two-and-a-half-week class. His father declined to let a school nurse evaluate TG. Before they send me off, are my oh, he gonna lose if he rec- if he declined to let the the school even just like a fucking like this on on site school nurse evaluate. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he gonna lose. Absolutely. And, and more than likely, there was a high, there was some sort of, you know, hybrid distance option. So they probably didn't just send him home, just said, like, you can join, just go home, go on Zoom and join back with the class. I'm, I'm almost guaranteed there was a Zooming or a streaming option. Sent off to go see a nurse or some other kind of evaluation or doctor's note or whatever. I would love to see the policy. For some strange reason, they will not provide that to me. The school district's website says it follows state health department guidelines. Gocek's lawsuit asked for a temporary restraining order so that his son could go back to class. However, the court ruled it moot since by the time it reached the judge, class had already ended. So Gocek is going to refile his lawsuit and ask for another temporary restraining order for the coming school year. The PAUSD offices were closed Friday, but Superintendent Dr. Don Austin sent a statement to Fox 2 saying in part, this suit is the first of many challenges school districts across the state should expect regarding masking and vaccinations. Dr. Austin continues, students without medical exemptions will be required to wear a mask until those rules are changed. I'd like him to have an education in the classroom, just like the other children. For now, TG could view his senior year from the outside looking in as his father and district settle differences fueled by a pandemic restriction. In Palo Alto, Jesse Gary, KTVU, Fox 2 News. I don't like anything about this. This is about this is about the this is like the dad trying to have a big dick contest with the school is what it feels like to me. Oh, for sure. And then, you know, of course, even if this was uh, more of a legitimate um, and, and viable and winnable case for the for the parent. The district is just playing what districts normally do is, just, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a rule. Well, where's the rule written? No, there's a rule. <laughs> right. And I'm sure that rule exists. I'm sure maybe it's something they defer to the state or it's not written into their district code. Right. But they're going to obfuscate just the same as anyone else and just be like, this is what we always do. This is how we do things. Um, but they're right to do it. And they're perfectly within their rights to do it. And they're also the superintendent's also right that they're going to, you know, you're going to see a lot more of this going forward. Districts up and down the state are going to get their pants sued um or at least attempted to be sued off i think you're i think more than likely the districts are going to win <laughs> uh, more often than not um but of course it starts in palo alto right where else what other city producer dave in in, in santa clara county would you imagine this could happen and start in in santa clara county if it wasn't palo alto yeah uh it could be san jose because of uh willow Gwen. uh could True. be los gatos right next door Ding. to me that could would be, be mine. Los Gatos right call. next door or to me, or uh, is Los Altos also in? Correct. But yes, it's right. Los it's Altos. basically Palo Alto. It's it borders it, so it's the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. No, Mountain View, Palo Alto, North, North County is what we call. Mount, it. We I don't think that. it's a Mountain View thing at all. Those people in Mountain View, that's different. Mountain View is more like a. Even though the income level is pretty high there, it's it's generally a working class city where where the there are a lot of tech workers, but it's a lot less. Um, it's a lot they, less bougie than Palo Alto. They do. They well. They uh, true. They do share a high school district with Los Altos. So the 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 two high, the two main high schools there are the same district. So, um, but yes, 
Uh, Los Gatos would, would have been my guess. If I didn't know what city this was, I would have said Palo Alto, Los Gatos, um, maybe Saratoga would be would have been my next one. Um, and anyway. outside outside of the Bay Area, like North North State, this is there's going to be this shit's going to be going all over up where oh, yeah. Media Wench is from, up in Shasta County. But oh, it's yeah, going to be for a completely completely different reason and a completely different type of entitlement. Yeah, the school boards there are going to be lit, just as lit as the county board of uh, or the county board of soups in Shasta has been recently. The school boards are going to be just as lit. Um, and our local boards, now that our uh, boards are coming back and meeting in person again, oh man, this is going to be nutty. Um, they, they're probably getting away easy with a lot of these folks having to stick it out on WebEx or Zoom. Santa Unified uses WebEx, Bruce or Dave. Um, for Nobody wants opinions. to use that. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Um, so when they come, they come back in person, they're going to have lines out the door uh, of folks who want to who want to have their say. So well, that, that, that'll be great. One week we won't even have to make a uh, docket. We can just let the public comment roll. Tune in, right? Well, if the, <laughs> and if we do, if we do decide to move the show over, you know, to like Tuesday nights live, we can always tune into you know uh, evening city council meetings, right? Um, that are occurring live and online. So we could we could do a little bit of that. That'd be kind of fun. So all sorts of possibilities with the. Uh, the change up and the, the the flexibility of the down ballot recording date. So we'll keep you posted listener and viewer. So this next story uh, was all over Twitter as well as Facebook. Uh, big shout out to Brandon Bradford, uh, who's been on the intellectual dollar tree and the Plex and uh, we'll be coming on the intellectual dollar tree again pretty soon. Now that we can have people in the studio, his, uh, his, his remote setup wasn't so great and we couldn't figure out what was wrong, even though he bought all the equipment and did all the thing he needed to do. kind of sucked. <laughs> but um, this appears to be, well, it's a terrorism. It's sort of akin to that story we covered out of the North Bay that we just got back to two weeks ago and found, oh no, I did it on Sunday. The, the, real quick, there was a guy up in the North Bay, he got busted at his um, auto body shop, had a bunch of like QAnon and like 3% or shit. Well, it turned the out they were, they were, yeah, the pipe bomb, bomb guy. I remember his lawyer was like, oh, this is recreational. No, they were planning to bomb DNC headquarters buildings, multiple up in the Sacramento area. That That's what they ended up getting busted for so oh snap wait was that that connected to that guy it's it not just connected it's that guy are you kidding i didn't make i didn't put two and two to, holy shit how did i not put two and two together on that my goodness that's amazing i put it on the docket for oh, sunday that's... and then i figured it out like while the clip was rolling i'm like wait a minute i've seen that fucking picture and that picture of those pipe bombs before that's beautiful oh no, my goodness no it's not actually he wanted well, to go it sucks, kill it sucks but yeah but it sucks but in terms of like in, in the down balladiness is beautiful but yeah of course obviously. well we knew there was more to that story right yeah but that's that's deep that was like we were like what's really going on here well the guy was gonna go bomb some fucking shit good thing they caught him i guess so this yeah. was this is a story of a guy from if you could imagine it he's from los gatos but he got busted in campbell and uh, it's a similar situation, but again, we're going to have to keep an eye on it to kind of see what's really going on here. And let's see what the local news hit about this is. Call the police about a suspicious person may have prevented a massive shooting. When Campbell police found that person, they were stunned by what they saw. They believe Charles Wesley Martinez of Los Gatos was planning a shooting rampage. Police say he had an arsenal and a manifesto inside his car, even a bullet engraved with the words, cop killer. NBC Bay Area's Damian Trujillo is live at the county jail in San Jose where Martinez is now in custody. Damian. Well, Janelle, he's been in jail since last Friday. Now he's gone back and forth with us about granting us a jailhouse interview. First he said yes, and then he changed his mind. His lawyer said don't. Police say may have prevented a tragedy. 
These are the weapons Campbell police say Wesley Martinez had in his car when they stopped him early Friday oh, morning. Dave. Two AR-15 type, type uh, style rifles oh, seized, um, multiple ah. high capacity magazines, some body armor with uh, rifle plates in it, um, two suppressors that went with the two uh, assault rifles. That's just recreational. Martinez also had bullets inscribed with phrases like cop killer and the hand. Totally recreational. Saying he wanted to quote, wipe out black, Hispanic, and Jewish populations. Whoa! They're still Harmless. But there's definitely a lot of disturbing information that's been received that. Captain White. Us to believe that, you know, we really. He doesn't have a neck. A crisis, you know. <laughs> uh, a mass type shooting event. This is what happened when we went to Martinez's home in Los Gatos. Ask you uh, about what happened and if you're surprised. Yeah. That's what I'd do too if that was my family member. Seriously? Rude. The owner of Rev Auto Sales in Campbell said oh, I know where that is. detected a prowler and he called police. But Farouk Mamadov had no idea that his call may have prevented another South Bay mass tragedy. I'm shocked. I'm shocked because I just thought it was someone, you know, we get pe people in here at night all the time, you know, they steal little things and parts off cars. But I'm kind of glad, you know, he's off the streets. Farouk was someone who saw something and said something. We really rely on our community, and I think it speaks to the good relationship that we do have with our community, our business owners, that they, they know to call us. Police say they're now scouring Martinez's computers and other electronics to determine a motive and any possible targets the suspect may have had in mind. We talked to about 10 of the suspect's neighbors in Los Gatos, all told me that they were shot but they declined to talk to us on camera. We're live outside the main jail in San Jose. I'm Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. Okay, Damian, thanks so much. Yo, that's Sh wild. <laughs> I'm shocked. They're always shocked. No, well, not him. Not him. He, was, he was such a normal person. Well, he I mean, to walk his dog. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, if the neighbors like had an inkling that he was about to go on a rampage, they would have contacted someone too. So like, you know, <clears throat> of course they're shocked. They don't know. Yeah, true. I know. It, it just seems uh, it, it's more just that sometimes they're all, oh, he's such a nice boy. <laughs> I I went over and we used to talk about the weather. Um, so, Who like uh, drives around with their racist manifesto in their car? Shit, yeah. And this is in downtown Campbell, producer Dave. This is like back well, it was in your on, back it was on Sunny Oaks. It wasn't really downtown, but okay. Well, it's in your backyard still. I mean, that's that's got to feel a little bit disconcerting. Um, yeah, uh, well, good on, you know, folks for, for, for saying something. Um, I'm not, you know, a huge fan of paranoia in general, but I am a good, I am a fan of healthy paranoia and healthy skepticism and uh, just being fucking observant, right? So um, good for people, you know, good on people for saying something and good on uh, our good on law enforcement for taking care of it and averting a situation, but um, a little, little freaky deaky. Yeah, no shocker that the guy's from uh, Los Gatos. Um, I wonder if that yeah, guy right. called me a cuck on a, a comment thread on Facebook ever. It's it's where, a high high possible high possibility. And I wonder where in Los Gatos, like we're talking the hills, we're talking like Montesorino. Where, where are we talking? Um, Couldn't really well, tell from the video of the person's house. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, g again, glad that we uh, we averted a, a crisis here. But the fact, but the idea that you know these folks aren't out there in our own backyard, you know. Don't don't be so naive, everyone. We've got we've got this here. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your backyard. It's in you know. It's in your neighbor's house. Um, it's in your own family. So don't be deceived. Um, and yes, be vigilant.
So our next story here is uh, a story about an airplane, but it has nothing to do with a mask, which is shocking. I feel like we've turned some kind of corner here. Refreshing. Yeah. Someone was kicked off of a plane, basically a teenager, but it was not because he was being stubborn and not wanting to wear a mask. It's because he accidentally airdropped a photo that caught someone's attention. I don't know. We'll have to watch the clip to figure it out. Some tense moments for passengers on a United Airlines flight from San Francisco to Orlando this evening. Moments before takeoff, all of the passengers had to get off the plane. Airport officials say it's because a teenager on board airdrop pictures of an airsoft gun to several other passengers. Now, the toy gun was actually never on board, and the picture was taken somewhere else on a completely different day. But security deplaned and rescreened all of the passengers while the crew searched and cleaned the cabin. NBC Bears aviation expert Mike McCarron says he is not surprised by the caution taken, even after it was determined to be a toy gun, and that it took so long to get everyone back on the air, too. Airport security, airline security is many layers. And it starts when you first get the curb and they start checking your bag and your ID and your and your uh, ticket. And they go screening your carry-on, screening your bags, check bags. So all these layers build upon each other. So it takes a certain kind of confidence to go with that camera angle, I'm just saying. Absolutely, on your phone, no less, or iPad, whatever he's using. Once again, once they want to clear the plane, it's kind of a reverse process. They go back and peel back that, those layers of the onion and then put it back in place. Now, the teenager had to find another way home. He got barred from that flight. Uh, Passengers eventually made it to Orlando, but they were four hours late. Rough. I'm guessing that he didn't do that shit on purpose. I'm just guessing yeah. that was I'm guessing that was a fucking mistake. One hundred percent. I'm guessing that. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I, I can't imagine even a reckless teenager is so dumb. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I did probably an accident. Maybe meant to, maybe I, it, there's no, a lot of like context there. So maybe he was airdropping to like a friend in the seat next to him or something. Right. And accidentally like hit other people's, you know, it's very easy to accidentally airdrop someone if their shit's on and they're connected on the same network. It's very easy. I've actually, I've accidentally airdropped stuff to, to the good wife that I, I didn't mean to naked pictures of myself and other things like that. So, um, yeah, it's very easy. So I, so i mean sucks for the kid to have to find another flight sucks for everyone being late and uh sucks for anyone having to explain this especially since it wasn't you know there was no situation right right um, in the first place we're all just we're all just so hopped right now and for good reason right yeah refreshing this was more about like a terrorism possibly happening um so just more more and more of that so airdrop is that's like a feature on an iphone right i'm supposing yeah, you can. Uh, it's it's between iOS um, devices uh, or any uh, any Apple devices. You can um, basically instantly just send, transmit images, files between between them if you're linked. If you're on the same Wi-Fi network or the same uh, the same network, yeah, you probably um, just or, hit or to yourself, right? My phone to my computer, that kind of my phone to my laptop, that kind of thing. Yeah, you probably just hit the wrong button or some shit. Oh, it's it's super easy. I could I could even show you if I had my iphone with nah. me here um it's just like you hit the wrong uh avatar basically right. and you send, yeah, yeah. send it to your mom right <laughs> it was just a mistake right my mom actually my mom i did actually accidentally airdrop my mom once when i was in the same room with her she doesn't even realize what airdrop is she just has it on her phone right so she says i got this thing from you <laughs> should i open it is it really you god bless you mom um so yes open it anyway yeah so yeah this is uh it's good to see that we're we're still vigilant about the terrorism as much as we've been spending the last 16 months worried about the the virus, right? 
I mean, I guess yeah. so. This this could have yeah. gone this could have gone a completely different way. This could have been like, oh, this is obviously a mistake. Don't use the airdrop feature on the phone. Get back on the fucking plane and behave yourself. Right. Right. I feel well, like I this could have this could have gone like this doesn't sound like he was like, I'm going to threaten everybody by sending them a picture of a non lethal <laughs> weapon that I don't have. Sends Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. <laughs> you know, in the middle of the plane. Um yeah, no, I uh, but again, you know, abundance of caution, investigation, right? Getting to the bottom of things. I, and there I, may be, there may be like TSA you know, regulations or whatever involved. Yeah. That we don't they, know about. Yeah. They got to go through protocols. I, I'm also sympathetic to like, Jesus Christ. It's like, obviously a mistake. Um, let's move on. But anyway, speaking of moving on, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep vigilant on that and see what else, if anything else goes down there. But, uh, uh, this is a story that typically would go under, get your shit together since it had to do with trash. Um, shit. But it's but it's not literally shit necessarily. Oh, okay. I um so we've been following San Francisco's never ending, it seems like, battle with feces and other refuse in the street. Um so now they've been looking at all sorts of ways, like the six hundred thousand dollar toilets that we talked about last uh, a couple weeks ago. Um but now they've got an idea for um improving their line of uh, public trash receptacles by uh making them fancier. Oh, we we so, we're, we've got one more. We've got uh, when you got to go, you got to go. Oh, is that not the story? Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Yeah, I uh, apologize. That's that's coming up. That is coming up on Get Your Shit Together. Uh, for <laughs> when you got to go, you got to go. I, unfortunately, some folks uh, at a local apartment complex. This ha- does have to do with poop, actually. Um, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, my, that was that was really just a F F minus segue there, uh, Councilman. But I'll work on that. Um, so. In this situation, in this particular story, uh, we have an apartment. Uh, there, there's a lot of apartment complexes uh, around here, as you know, that may not have the best landlords. Some landlords that you know keep the rent low and don't fix anything, but don't bug people either. Um, and then you've got landlords who just don't fix anything, period, and don't respond. So uh, these tenants uh, eventually had to take matters into their own hands because. Um, uh oh. Know what I'm saying? Uh, I didn't Uh-oh. catch. I didn't did catch the it, end. Oh, did we get? It's your. It's your Wi-Fi. That's fine. Um, let's let the story roll, and we'll talk about it a little bit after the after the, the local news covers the story. A lot of questions this evening about what is in the water that desperate tenants tapped into the past couple of days after a water main feeding their large apartment complex broke. NBC Barry's Damon Trujillo broke the story yesterday. He's at the Foxdale Apartments in East San Jose with what we found out today. Well, water has been back for the last 24 hours, but the big question tonight is what is in these pipes that the residents obtained dozens of gallons of water from? These images show a line of people who took turns filling up their containers. They'd been out of water since Saturday after the buried water main broke at the large Foxdale apartment complex. So they tapped into this emergency fire sprinkler supply line. You had people desperate desperate for water that they had to tap into a fire sprinkle system because they needed to drink, they needed to flush their toilets. But today, the San Jose Water Company reiterated this is not drinking water. In a statement, the agency said there is potential degradation of quality both from stagnation of the water in the pipes and from potentially different plumbing materials not certified for use in drinking water. It should not be considered potable and carries potential risk. 
y toda la gente, no nada más nosotros. Adriana Flores says everyone got in line, not just them, but Flores says her family only used the water to fill the toilet and wash dishes. I, I cried. Brenda Guerrero brought her newborn home from the hospital just before the water went out. She's glad she didn't get in this line with her neighbors. It's unclear if anyone drank the water. Tenants say the front office hasn't alerted them to the potential danger, so they started warning each other. So I'm all, la agua no está bueno, you know, so I was trying to tell them don't drink it, dump it out. Use the gallon jugs that were being passed out yesterday. Kashana Ashford says the water from the fire line had a weird odor. She gave me a sample and it had a foamy film on top. The fire department and San Jose Water Company won't say if they plan to send someone out to test the water. Worried tenants say that leaves them to self-diagnose any possible symptoms. And County Environmental Health says it is checking to see whether that office plays any role in testing or inspecting this water. We're in San Jose. I'm Damien Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. Okay. Yeah, don't just get water from any old random place that happens to be wet. Uh, this is like going down to the creek and like <clears throat> just dipping your bottle in the creek. I mean, that. if all you're doing is using it to flush your fucking toilets, though, say, fucking go for it. Sure. I mean, that's that's what they've got uh, recycled water coming for now, right? A lot of the newer buildings are getting equipped with that, so it's uh, non-potable, right? Non-drinkable, but that's the stuff that feeds your toilet. It's the stuff that goes to your, um, uh, into other, no, you know, non, non-ingestible uses, right? Um, so it's a, it, that's a good thing in a way, but yeah, the, I, I know it sucks, um, and you, you're, you're getting desperate, but yeah, don't, don't be, don't be cray. Don't be silly. Um, especially if they're handing out jugs of water. Well, maybe they didn't know, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, um, Ooh, one of the things about not using potable water for the toilet isn't as disaster. One of the things we were taught as kids is that you could lift the back of the fucking toilet and get mm-hmm. some, get some drinking water. So that's, I don't know. I don't know how this works. There's no disasters anymore though. Everything's fine. <laughs> everything's fine and it's great um but yeah just hope hope that you're um hope that you do have options if your water does go out it's just it, it disaster yeah these, these, these are going to be the disasters though um and, and when disasters lead to things like water going out like inter, you know internet access going out power going out just there's so it's, it's our our civilization is so freaking fragile producer dave i just i love watching these moments where to be honest with you where humanity has to kind of figure shit out again that we did for thousands of years right um but uh forgotten how to do because we're so used to the accoutrements of uh of our existence so one day one day we'll all be headed back to the to arizona bay but for now it's moments like these so it sounds like maybe nobody got sick or whatever which is good that's very good that's very good news um and hopefully they all learned uh, a valuable lesson um and hopefully the freaking landlord gets on their shit and gets these people clean water. Um, cause it's, it's just, I mean, you, I understand it's rough times, right? You can't evict them, but you can take away their water. Uh, and maybe they'll move. Who knows? But yeah. Get your shit together. Landlords. Speaking of getting your shit together. Segway. <laughs> um, so yeah, as I was mentioning earlier, <laughs> San Francisco in its continuing quest to get its shit together, um, is trying something new. Uh, they figure if people aren't using the trash cans that are out there already to put their feces and their other refuse in, maybe if the trash cans looked fancier, they would use them. Francisco is working on a plan to replace the city's public trash cans. KTV's Christian Kaftan is joining us live from the city. And Christian, the prototypes they're looking at testing will cost somewhere in the neighborhood of $20,000 a piece. Is that right? 
Yeah, that sounds like a lot of money, but the DPW says that that's just the cost for the prototypes that they're going to be testing out. They say that the actual 3,000 or so trash cans they're going to be uh, replacing, those actual units will wind up costing much less. San Francisco's Department of Public Works says the current trash cans, especially the green conventional trash cans, are frequently targeted by people looking for valuables inside who break locks, damage the hinges, and scatter trash everywhere in the process. They pick the lock, they dump the whole can on the street, and then they, uh, uh, as they sort through the things they want while the garbage is on the, uh, uh, either uh, on the sidewalk or out the, uh, 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 on the street. DPW says the solution is developing the next generation of trash can, one that is sturdy and can stand up to tampering, vandalism, and can incorporate recycling bins and high-tech innovations like an automatic notification system when the trash inside needs to be picked up. DPW hopes a $537,000 pilot program will find that perfect trash receptacle. The city says it will work with a contractor to prototype three designs and will order five of each at about $20,000 a piece and will test those alongside already available off-the-shelf models. We could not find a can that, that could uh, fill uh, all those boxes. Now there were some that met one one option or two, but we could not find anything that could that could check all of those boxes. DPW says the high cost of the prototypes does not reflect the actual expected cost of the replacement cans. Public Works is hoping to replace more than 3,000 trash cans for about $2,000 to $4,000 a piece. This is really the best way to do it because it it will allow us to troubleshoot and get the best and the unit cost on the long run. San Francisco Supervisor Matt Haney said while he's been a vocal advocate for replacing the city's trash cans, he also expressed concerns about the costs at a committee meeting Wednesday. How many uh, prototype trash cans are being produced and what is the price of them? And I, I saw the line item said 15 for $300,000. That, that is an extraordinary cost per can. Yeah, I think so. Supervisor Haney also told me that he's going to be trying to work with the DPW to try to see what he can do about bringing the price tag down. As for a timeline, DPW is hoping to get those prototypes out for testing by the end of this year, then see which designs work best and get about 3,000 of the winning design manufactured and out on the streets next year. We're live in San Francisco. Christian Kafton, KTVU, Fox 2 News. Okay, Christian, thank you. Sounds like a grift. Sounds like the city's getting grifted. Seriously, that's an extra as as uh, Supervisor Haney said. That's an extraordinary price per can. <laughs> like, oh my god, twenty thousand! I don't care if it's a prototype; it's a trash can. Twenty thousand dollars for a trash can that you can't get trash out of or knock trash out of. Basically, like they can't be knocked over and you can't empty. How hard could that fucking be to design? I mean, I know artists that would take you know. $2,000 to design, a, you know, the best possible trash can, and it would look a lot better than those things. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> SF, get your shit together. I, and no surprise, this is public works, right? These are the same guys that have been, you know, going through corruption scandals and funneling money through nonprofits, right? They obviously have no scruples and morals. The money's probably all going to line someone's pockets. Who knows? And it looked to me like unless those were just mock-ups of what a trash can could theoretically look like, it looks like there's no research and design going in because it looks like we already know what the fuck a trash can looks like. So they're like, oh, these ones are actually expensive, but the ones we're going to give you later that are exactly the same, those are cheap. Yeah, they're designed specifically for San Francisco's uh, poop, you know, or, or trash. <laughs> like, it, 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 there's nothing like San Francisco trash. You know, we need to design you guys something very specific. Um, yeah, this is definitely a grift by some sort of, like 
ultra modern trash design trash can design firm right that someone's nephew set up um this is uh, out of their basement this is hilarious deep within your stepmom's basement yeah chat's saying they could do like a contest and stuff and get like a lot of the work done free oh fuck yes they could i mean uh, maybe a st- not even okay maybe not free right you, I, I i firmly believe you should compensate people for their work but a stipend right like not twenty thousand freaking dollars right? or a fucking twenty thousand dollar prize for whoever the fuck's yeah. trash can is the best right for what for one prize for one and then you build the as many whatever two thousand dollar trash cans as you want but even that seems like a little high it's gotta be the labor cost yeah it must be i'm assuming that must be like including installation it's gotta be labor cost yeah absolutely it's definitely it's definitely time intensive to like dig like to drill into the fucking sidewalk and or weld or what yeah whatever they got to do yeah exactly all right well it's good to see sf getting their shit together i just wish it didn't cost so fucking much (laughs) like i said this Um, is a grift we're in the wrong game absolutely man we gotta we gotta get out of this we gotta get in consulting just like you always talk about <laughs> consulting you know the dark like, arts the dark right arts. right like uh just being like no don't do that that's all we people, would ever say no people, that's a bad idea i guess i get asked all the time like what do you do oh i'm a consultant well what do you consult about consulting things you know <laughs> things stuff um what do you need like what do you need what do you need help with we'll help you figure it out we're consultants We'll even, we can call it like the consulting company. <laughs> That's TCC. TCC, the consulting company. What do you guys do? We consult. <laughs> and it would literally just be keeping people out of their own way most of the time. More than likely, yeah. Um, in all sorts of fields, right? We're pretty, you know, diverse and, and, and renaissance-y. We can, we, can, we can give you advice no matter what field you're in, really. Um, we, could just, we could pretend to be generalists. Exactly. <laughs> that would be ambiguous. G. That would be the generalist consulting Am- company. The ambiguous consulting company. Um. Anyway, well, we we will continue to help everyone get their shit together because that's what we do here. Um. And speaking of having to get their shit together, it's time to go down ballot to those races and those chases that just get ignored by uh, the mainstream media, but we occasionally pick them up on the local media. So, uh leading off this week um this week I, we did have the announcement of who was going to be in the final clown card to replace gavin newsom so we, we have a a lovely list that we can maybe run through at some point on a future down ballot um because that's you're going to be getting your ballot for the recall in august so perhaps we can spend uh, one of our part of one of our upcoming episodes reviewing some of the key names and key f- figures that are out there vying to potentially replace we don't think that they will um no gavin it's, newsom. it's it's not looking good for the for the remove, I noticed that Larry Elder was on that list, and Larry Elder, <clears throat> I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like Larry Elder at all. And well, let's um, make fun of him. Well, we we probably will. Uh, he was at first wasn't on the ballot. He pulled an Austin Bennett and didn't get all his paperwork in, but then a judge overturned it. Ah, did Austin Bennett? I don't think he made it. I don't believe he even. I don't know if he even tried, but I don't believe he made it on. No, he's too busy flirting with our fake Facebook account. But more on uh. that during the post game. Nice. Well, he can do a he can do a, a writing campaign like he did for state senate. Right. So he got a few votes. So, anyway, so our first sorry. story here: uh, somebody's running for a uh, city council, and they're uh, trying to use uh, COVID response to uh, kind of build their brand. Maybe we'll let the story roll here and talk about it after it's over. Yeah, that works. Well, here at the Mexican Heritage Plaza in East San Jose, there used to be hundreds of people lined up to get a shot, but those numbers dropped off and the site was closed. But now, a community activist says it's time for it to reopen. Uh oh. Oh dear. 
Rolando Bonilla is the head of San Jose's planning commission, but today he made a public plea as an activist and what he calls a COVID survivor. He did it from the Mexican Heritage Plaza on Alum Rock Avenue, which once administered up to 600 shots a day. But in June, the numbers dipped to less than 50, and the site, run by the Gardner Clinic, closed. Bonilla, after urging the community to get vaccinated, railed at the county for not reopening the site now that COVID cases are on the rise again. We can't say we care about vaccination and yet close the largest vaccination site in East San Jose. That is completely a mixed message and in my mind one that can be very problematic and dangerous to this community. This is not the flu. I got the non-Delta variant of COVID. This is not the flu. Your lungs are on fire. You cannot breathe. The medical director of the Gardner Clinic acknowledges a 10% positivity rate in East San Jose just last week, but is uncertain about reopening at the plaza. I'm not sure if it's worth the investment into opening up the site again, but it is something that we'll definitely consider if we, if we need to. The county points out it had hundreds of people going door to door, as well as many pop-up sites throughout East San Jose. It points out the vaccination rate among Hispanics is actually better than among whites, except for the younger ages. The real challenge now is to get to the population who's unwilling or uninterested or a little hesitant. Um, and having mass vaccination sites really doesn't do that. <laughs> Possibility is always on the table. As you heard, no one is ruling anything out yet. In that sense, reaction to the variant is the same as the initial outbreak. It all depends on the numbers. In San Jose, Robert Honda, NBC Bay Area News. I actually think this is a non-story if there's other places for people to get vaccinated and they're easy to get to. Um, more as, as the numbers get higher, of the percentages of people that get vaccinated and we don't need places where people can get queue up in a big line. I think it's probably better uh, in any community for there to be more smaller vaccination sites so that people don't have to travel as far so they can get one right in their, like not just their part of San Jose, but in their fucking neighborhood itself. You know, I, <clears throat> I went to get the vaccine as soon as I could. So I went, I went to Levi's because, and there was a lot of fucking people there and uh, mm -hmm. that was fine. But if I had, had I waited, I would just go to the Safeway by my apartment and get vaccinated because they're doing it there. So like right. I the the thing is I don't know if this guy's right or wrong but it seems to me that as the rate gets higher and higher the the sites are going to be seeing less and less people and it's probably better to have more smaller sites. But I don't know for sure. Right. Well ironically this this story is on the docket because it is a non-story. Um it's on the docket because this particular official is running a city council campaign for District 5 for the east side district where the Mexican Heritage Plaza is. He's running a campaign without running a campaign. Um, he is on the planning commission. He was the vice chair last year. He's the chair of the planning commission right now, just recently appointed. He's also, um, while he will swear up and down, not a lobbyist, he is a consultant. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he's a communications consultant. And he, he and his wife run a communications shop. They were once the shop for council members and local elected officials um and they still do pr right so he is a master and a, and a very deft pr person pr guy um matt uh, ad man uh so he's getting himself and inserting himself and doing press releases press conferences availabilities stories like this planting stories um in using the fact that he had covid using the fact that he uh using using any angle he can get um to to look like a concerned community leader right um in advance of next year 
you know, once uh, we get past uh, the first year, you know, pretty much running for city council uh, in that area. Up until then, because he can't raise money until December because of San Jose regulations, can't do a whole lot of campaign activity. What he can do is set up a bunch of stories like this, which he's been doing for months, that puts himself out there, right, on the local news, gets his face and his name out there, people just seeing him everywhere, right, in the community. It really doesn't even matter if he's getting anything done, right? He's been doing a lot of like talking about the county needs to do this, the city needs to do that, um, local businesses need to do this or that or the other thing. It doesn't really matter if anything ever happens if he gets anything done, right? It's just he's putting himself out there and he's he's he knows enough about how the press and politics and and public attention and public relations work to know that really that's all it takes. Like people don't really necessarily care about your five point plan or you know your big campaign and your splashy mailers as long as they know who you are or your name or they've seen your face before that's the most important thing so he's spending all his time right now just leveraging this position he has with the city on the planning commission which has nothing to do with covid or health or any of that shit at all right um has to do with land use he's leveraging it every chance he gets to build his campaign so that when he does launch he's got you know more name id than anyone else in the race and he can pretty much just run roughshod over them so it's smart politically it's it's morally reprehensible uh, as a former commissioner and knowing what the planning commission is there for. Like it's just, it's a complete misuse and abuse of his power. Um, but it's politically very smart. So, so we'll, he's we'll, just, so if on anything where he's, it's a miss, he can just f- pretend it never happened. But anytime where he happens to get a hit, he can go, well, you know, as I was saying last summer. Exactly. And great example of this is um, earlier this spring, he announced, he came out and said, uh, called on the city, I think, called on the city to make an investment of X dollars in East San Jose businesses who were hit hard by COVID. And as a, you know, a show of his skin in the game, he was going to raise, or his group was going to raise like a matching $5 million. I think they raised like five bucks. Um, but they had a nice story, right? They got to announce this, announce this challenge and say that they were going to do this thing. It doesn't really matter that they never did it, right? Because it doesn't, there's no big splashy story when they don't do it, Right. Uh, they just didn't do it, so there's no story. So all the last thing people heard was he was going to do this great thing, right? right. Um, our friend Pierre Luigi from San Jose, Oliverio uh, from District Six, he blocked very, me. He's a master of this very same thing, right? He was a master of this in the council. He's a master of it now. Blowing up a big issue, right? Like coming out um, aligned with the most ardent, loud, nimby, whoever you know, uh, uh, folks on an issue, coming out in support of them saying what they want to hear, not doing anything to actually get anything done about it, and then not having to worry about the repercussions because those folks, I mean, no one's covering it, right? No one's actually following these stories like us, other than us. So no one ever hears. And that's why it's great to have this show because we actually follow these things and we we will call you on these things. So uh, as we follow Mr. Bonilla here in his run for council, you know, we'll, we'll be making sure to track everything that he's doing. Funny thing is he's butting up against the current councilwoman who's also trying to like so- salvage the rest of her life and career by you know uh, just flailing at, at doing things for covid so she announced like her own fund right to to help east san jose businesses and now they're clashing over whose fund is better right <laughs> when at the end of the day like everyone needs help why don't y'all work together and it's your if it's your if it's your gente if it's your community why are you not working together to help them instead of like angling for political positions so maybe this is better under winners and losers but it's certainly a down ballot story so speaking of the east side, it looks like that's D.A. Rosen, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, is Jeffrey. Jeffrey Rosen uh, is, I would have never known his name if we didn't do the show. He's running Jeff for- Jeff, his friends. He's, I'm not his friend. Uh, <laughs> if 
Jeff. Well, the voters are his friends because he goes by Jeff on the ballot. So I guess. Okay. Um, he's running for re-election. He really wants to make sure that the people in the same general area of San Jose that our last story was about know that he's running for re-election. And that's probably because he's running against a person of color. So he's just trying to make sure that they, they know that the white man loves them too. Facing stiff opposition for re-election, the Santa Clara County District Attorney today announced a slew of community grants in East San Jose, ranging Ooh. from everything from park improvements to youth intervention programs. But it's where the money is coming from that has people applauding the move. NBC Barrier's Damon Trujillo is at a San Jose park with that story. One grant will help plant trees here at Hillview Park so that people can have some shade when they bring... I've d illegally DJed there at Bike Party. They could use some trees, it looks like. There's not many trees there. Other grants address the growing concerns of youth violence. You name it, and neighbors say it happens at Plata Royal Park. We have a, a weapons, Ooh, Danny Garza. alcohol, prostitution issue at our skate park. Difficult issues that the president of the Neighborhood Association says he's been battling for years while fighting the criminal justice system at the same time. So today, Danny Garza was glad to see the DA in his backyard. I'm glad that the district attorney is here not arresting us but helping us not putting us in jail <laughs> but putting us in contact with opportunities da jeff rosen chose hillview park to announce his fifty thousand dollars in annual grants to 13 community groups and criminals are paying for it it's part of his bend the arc program of criminal justice reforms after the george floyd murder comes from money that criminals made from selling drugs from stealing cars from of civil forfeiture homes and so it's really the dirty proceeds of criminal activity crimes that have victimized dirty. this very same community so activists say they don't care that the DA is in a fight for re-election, not when they're fighting bigger battles in their own neighborhoods. It really came down to who's going to help us moving forward. And neighbors say it was good to see police officers in East San Jose handing out ice cream today instead of tickets. I think things are starting to change. We've made enough noise. We've, we, we've, we've been heard. In East San Jose, Damian Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. Ice cream producer Dave it solves everything. I hit the wrong button and did our little animation for the beginning of the show. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> this is, I don't know. It's, I guess it's good. I'm, I'm like a little weird on the civil forfeitures thing, like more broadly. Um, I think that uh, a lot of uh, district attorney's offices and uh, state's attorneys and uh, U.S. attorneys are pretty heavy handed in yeah. how they assess civil forfeitures. But absolutely. <clears throat> especially, especially when a lot of folks are just not, you know, they're not guilty, right? Or they're, or they're wrongfully convicted or wrongfully charged. Right, um, you, I thought when he said, "Oh, people are happy where the money's coming from." I was like, "Oh, did he fuck? Did he? Did he like like turn some police? Did he yeah. turn? Did he turn someone in Los Gatos upside down and shake them until money started <laughs> falling out?" Like, <laughs> Elon Musk, you know, uh, Carl Gord, you know, give me your money. Um, yeah, this is one of those stories where it's like, okay, I uh, great attention is being paid, right? There's there actually there is going to be money going into the community, right? These these grants are going to show up. The money will be in the community doing something hopefully good, right? Um so great, right? Same time this is so obviously a political, you know, uh uh or a piece of political gamesmanship and what's it called performatism, right? Or uh, it's it's even though it's happening, it's a good thing. It's, you know, it's not as though it's because this was the right thing to do. And the neighbor, the Plata Royal neighborhood and Danny Garza just kept speaking up and fighting the good fight for so long. And the DA just in his, found, found it deep in his heart. 
the opportunity to do something great for these people, right? Um, he just wanted to do this out of the out of his largesse. No, no, no. The other day, literally the other day, we'll get video of it um, soon. Uh, Sajid Khan, a, a, a public defender, declared Jeff Rosen, um, and really is carving a path uh, along the progressive, you know, justice reform. Uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, you name it, Chesa Boudin, right? That 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 entire vibe. He is tapping into that. So Rosen is so obviously trying to counteract that, right? And try to, to undercut it or stop it before it starts. The local POA, the San Jose POA even put up a website against the, the, the poor guy. Like the day he declared there was a website pretty much attacking him that was posted up on uh, and shared on all of our circles. So this is so abundantly a political move that it makes me like sick, right? It makes, it's one of those things where if I was in that community organization, this is one of those donations where it's like, uh, I mean, it's coming from a legit source. It's coming for a legit purpose, the DA's office. But it was kind of like when I was the company and we were doing a, a show that had to do with health, right? And and we, we were really focusing on children's health and obesity and these kind of things. And we had an opportunity to get a sponsorship from Coke or from representatives of the Coca-Cola company, right? The people that pretty much make our children obese, right? But they want to spend their largesse to, you know, make things better by like helping community organizations, helping theaters put on shows, right? And we had to ask ourselves, like, is it, is it worth it? Is there whatever it was, I forget, like $5,000, is it worth that to put their name on this thing that's pretty much antithetical to what they stand for, right? And are they kind of antithetical to what we stand for? In this case, it's not the same thing, but it kind of gives me that squeamish kind of feeling where I'd be like, all right, fine, I'll take your money, but I'm not fucking voting for you. <laughs> Isn't like $50,000 spread among 17 community not, groups? Isn't that like chicken shit too? It's chi it's absolute chicken shit. And that's exactly, that's the that's the reason why this this put, puts me over the edge is because it's not, it's nothing. And this has never been done before too, right? It's not as though this is an ongoing program and he's expanding it or, blah, no. He's just, this is something he created. He probably found 50,000 bucks in his budget. His budget's in the millions and millions and millions, right? Um, tens of millions. Uh, he's got a huge staff, right? I think he's got something like hundreds of staff. Um, so yeah, this is a pittance in his budget. So he probably just found some money, figured I can do this. His consultants probably said this would be a good thing to do. And you, and hey, you don't have to use campaign money. You can use, you know, you can use a uh, public money to campaign, help your, yeah, to campaign. Same in, <laughs> Just like with Rolando, Mr. Bonilla, right? He's using, he's not using public dollars. He's using his public position that has nothing to do with what he's talking about in the story, right? To get the story in the first place. Um, and that's, that's what's reprehensible. Did I mean, the, uh, that just makes me sick. Did the ice cream come out of the 50 grand? Cause that would be really <laughs> pissing off. I, I don't know. Maybe that just came out of like the sheriff's freezer or something. I don't, I don't know. Um, although they don't like each other very much, so maybe not. But yeah, I, it, it probably did. <laughs> that, that'll be the next big country. Who paid for the ice cream? Um, and did they get a concealed carry permit for delivering the ice cream? So we got one more story here on Down Ballot Watch. It's uh, less parking spaces for uh, downtown. I'm assuming mostly downtown San Jose and the NIMBYs are pissed. Yeah, this is a PSA for folks to get involved. Uh, the city of San Jose is asking for community input, so we'll learn more about what they're talking about. Well, new at 11 tonight, parking is always a hot commodity here in the Bay Area. But in San Jose, there's a plan to lower the number of new spaces built. Good. NBC Barrio Sergio Quintana explains. Absolutely. The idea. How about zero spaces? Man, 
Okay. Since the 1930s, NBC's struggling. San Jose has been a city built with cars in mind, with plenty of parking spaces to accommodate them. But now we live with concerns about rising costs of living, gridlock, and climate change. Justin Wang is with the Green Belt Alliance, one of the groups that's helping the city of San Jose reach out to residents about a proposal to reduce the number of parking spaces developers are currently required to build into their projects. He says the current costs of building all that parking get passed on to renters or home buyers. We need to reframe our mindset and think about, okay, well, instead of spending millions and millions of dollars on parking garages, how about we invest in ways to help people get around that are just as effective, but, you know, are better for greenhouse gas emissions, are better for a vehicle's miles traveled. He says all those parking spaces incentivize people to buy vehicles and drive more. So theoretically, if you build fewer spaces, people will own fewer cars, which would eventually reduce greenhouse gas emissions. It's a theory not everyone agrees with. For example, some of the states, commuter school. People don't really live around here and go to school here. They drive in from different towns and reducing the parking, um, not having places to park, it's not going to be easy for a lot of people. To be clear, the proposal does not aim to reduce any parking that's currently available. San Jose does have some limitations like a less developed public transportation system, including a light rail system that hasn't been in operation for more than a month now. Still, there are some people who are open to the changes. Once the VTA gets back up and running, we have a lot of uh, bike share options, local transit. Uh, we both take Caltrain pretty frequently. I think we should save that square footage for housing and building more affordable housing rather than parking spaces. San Jose City Council could like them. a decision on this proposal later this year. In San Jose, said Hugh Quintana, NBC, Bay Area News. Some good white people there. Yo, it's just like, it's just like one of these, it's this thing again where like it's this war that's been going on in San Jose. It's probably been going on since before, obviously been going on since before this show, yes. but it's this war against these people who want, they just don't want this place to be a fucking city. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and it's, it's gonna, it's, it'll be ongoing. It's a generational issue. On, uh, and at this point, the folks who are in that camp, um, they're either you know, they're stuck here and they're just going to be pains in the asses until they die. Um, or they're moving out. A lot of them are moving out. I'm seeing a lot more for sale signs in my neighborhood, um, which is a lot of these older homeowners who are like, F this. I didn't sign up to be in a city. Oh, I want Mayberry RFD. And they move to fucking Mayberry RFD and save a little money. Um, or, uh, you know, they just get with the program um, and, and, and realize that this is where we're at. And this is you know what San Jose is. Uh, needs to be right um, and is destined to be at some point and but it's all part and parcel to everything else we talk about people not going out and you know and embracing the scene and doing things and and, and being you know making this more of a city right um, staying in our little isolated communities and isolated households and, and not wanting to be a part of it right wanting to be some sort of suburban enclave forever um, you know that it's 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 part of that so um, if you like producer Dave and I agree with the nice young white couple at the <laughs> that talked about uh what they're trying to do right and what they're trying to accomplish in the nice gentleman from the green belt alliance um please uh get engaged go to go to the city website find out how you can offer some comments we'll, we'll gladly put it out in the show notes i can send producer david a link where you can offer your comments or attend a public hearing on zoom or in person hopefully and uh, give some input on this this plan. They're actually looking at eliminating parking requirements for high rises downtown, for um, and for a lot of other places, urban villages, and a lot of other spots around town where they're trying to encourage density. Um, and this has already been done in San Francisco. Other cities are just completely eliminating the parking requirement. Period. Right, zero parking spaces required. Um, 
but it's actually been reduced quite a bit recently. I think downtown, it's the it's still pretty high, but it's like I think 0.8 spaces per unit, something like that, is still required for parking. Um, but you can get reductions based on density, affordability of the units, things like that. There's ways to incentivize having to build less parking spaces, and it's the developers don't want to build the parking spaces. To be honest with you, the developers would much rather build rentable space, <laughs> like uh, units with that space they would much rather make more money so the less parking spaces they have to build they're happy about that there's actually an arcane policy in the city of san jose that you have to build a certain number of motorcycle spaces per unit or per square foot of your commercial property so like the, to the point that if you're doing like a if you or i were opening a, a convenience store right producer dave we'd have to have something like just a typical like 7-eleven we'd have to have like three motorcycle spots like required <laughs> because of the ratio um oh that's so, weird just silliness right um so this yeah our parking our parking guidelines definitely need an update um but it's going to be a battle so get out there if you're if you believe in transit if you believe in density if you believe in a more walkable uh forward-thinking community get out there and let your city leaders know that because they need to hear from us too because the other folks are loud they're loud and obnoxious but they're they're the minority we are the majority so speak up and we can hopefully get things moving the only reason they get they win is because they're loud and they scare these elected officials into doing what they want if we're just as loud if we go out and vote right and hold them accountable we can we can change things yeah for sure um san jose is just this you know i was <clears throat> get i got into it with somebody on twitter if you could imagine that they were talking I, somebody that's was the place for it <laughs> somebody was talking about um <clears throat> like when some other party had been like oh you know sprawl is bad and they're like oh you're going after you know people in san jose and or not in san jose like in rural areas and i'm like sprawl is san jose yeah it's happening right fucking it happened right here that's why we have a green belt policy in san jose where you cannot now you can't build beyond a certain line a green line policy because we've suddenly realized oh shit you know we're sprawling we're sprawling beyond our means we have people living beyond our ability to provide them with services um so at least now we're getting our heads together a little late but better late than never yeah like rural areas are not sprawl when we say sprawl right. it's usually the suburbs like the, right. i'm not talking we're not talking about san martin right right, right. <laughs> um so that was the well, that was the end of the down ballot we didn't do any recall watch this week but that's fine we'll probably do some recall stuff next week because everybody put in their uh, paperwork and we'll uh, we'll get on to that next week yeah we typically do like the down ballot bingo right so let's let's do a little review of um we, we can review the the recall issue maybe for a few minutes just to because that's the number one question you're going to get asked should gavin newsom be recalled right um, I believe you say no on the recall. I forget how the question's phrased. I believe it's you. You want to say no? He should not be recalled. It's always difficult with that. Uh, the folks who are trying to get people to say yes, a lot easier to say to get people to say yes to say no than it is people to get no to say yes. If that makes sense, happened with Prop Eight originally, the the 2008 gay marriage measure. Um, we were trying to get people to say yes to say no, and it was difficult anyway. Or no to say yes. Um, no meant yes to gay marriage, right? Yes, that's correct. Correct. Um, so uh, anyway, long story short, <laughs> we can review that next uh, next week or in an upcoming episode before you get your ballot. That's that's um, true. So that's great. We got through the down ballot watch. We're uh, at the end of the show here. We usually do a couple human interest stories at the end to kind of kind of lighten the mood a little bit before we go into the real crazy in the post game. Uh, thanks, everybody, for hanging out. We have a little bigger crowd than usual for down ballot tonight, so that's pretty good. Uh, thanks, everybody, hanging out in the chat. Good I see you. you. I see you. We just don't... Uh, during the podcast recordings, if I was sitting here talk, talking to chat the whole time, people would be like, why the fuck am I listening to your podcast? Right. And so, you can hear me tapping on my keyboard, so you don't want to hear that shit. So, 
Um, our first story, it appears that a car crashed into a pool, and we're going to see what the local news has to say about it. It's the beginning of a joke, I think. Well, this is something you don't see every day. A car <laughs> swimming pool. Details are limited, but the CHP says around 1.30, the driver got into an accident, and then this car flew into the pool. It's in San Jose at an apartment building on Fruit. Oh, come on. On Fruitdale? That's the same street where they had the, the water okay, problem. A little shaken. Fortunately, no one was at the pool at the time. That was a really <laughs> quick hit. So nothing yes. happened except the car ended up in the pool, and they just wanted to show the picture of the car in the pool. Well, they didn't have the, unfortunately, they didn't have the video of it happening live. So they, they were relying <laughs> more than likely on like resident. This is probably a resident uh, Instagram post or something like that, or a next door post that they, they found. Um, but yeah, same street where those tenants were drinking water out of the non-potable uh, you know, water main. So <laughs> all sorts of water related uh, incidents on Fruitdale Avenue this week. Yeah, don't drive. I don't know. I, this is just an accident. I don't think anybody fucking accidents happen. And sometimes like the, the sometimes you'll be walking along a street, right? And there'll be a fence and right, like five, six, seven, eight feet past the fence is like a like a pool for an apartment complex. So that's all yeah. that happened here. I have to yeah. guess. Oh, by the way, we'll have uh, there's no video on it yet, but that restaurant where they had the, the, the poor folks who got backed into by someone who they were just eating on the patio uh, a few weeks ago. Right. And the uh, car ran over them. Uh, they're apparently getting shut down. The restaurant is finally. Uh, so more on that to come. Um, all right. When to close out our docket tonight, the most adorable little story ever. It is. It's so cute. Isn't oh, it cute? It? Okay. Hold on. Here you, you'll all get to see it sooner or later. Well, in tonight's Bay Area Proud, a small town pulls struggling. a huge act of kindness for a little boy and his mom. Garvin Thomas joins us now to share a heartwarming story about Pokemon cards. Pokemon cards. That's right, Jeff. You know, over the years, we've done many stories of communities coming together to help someone who's lost something very valuable, a home, a car, a business. Tonight, though, what was lost may not seem that important to you or me, but to the young boy who lost it, it was everything. And that's why his neighbor's response is just so wonderful. Our story begins with a scene I'm sure we've all witnessed once or twice. A child in tears at the local grocery store. But last Saturday, at Scotts Valley Market, something looked a bit different. Not so much with the child, but his mother. Yep. At least that's how Lisa Brown saw it. I saw this look on her face that as a parent, you really connect with when your child's in distress. And this little boy was in full tears, inconsolable. Really bad. The boy was six-year-old Bradley Downing. And the tears were because a binder with some of his most rare Pokemon cards was missing. I was going to sell them one day. They were worth a lot, Bradley says. Like, maybe like $10 billion each. What had <laughs> happened was Bradley's mom, Kelly, had put the binder on top of the car as they were about to leave the shopping center, then drove off. A mile oh, no. later, they realized what had happened. Oh, no. Frantically, they searched the road, looked into bushes and under parked cars, but nothing. They returned to the market to see if anyone there had seen the binder, which is when Lisa encountered them. I asked her if she had thought about reaching out on the local Facebook groups, which I've watched people extend themselves beyond measure to help out in any way possible. And she told me she didn't really utilize social media much. So Lisa decided to make the post. She asked on a local Facebook group if anyone had seen the binder. Sadly, no one had. But then person after person chimed in, offering to replace 
the little boy's lost cards. I'm Aaron. This is my cafe. Come on in. Aaron Bukla, owner of Cruise Coffee Cafe, saw the post and the responses and offered to host a party where everyone could get together. I lost my Which is why dozens of children and adults gathered on Tuesday to deliver hundreds of Pokemon cards <gasps> to a very grateful boy and his even more grateful mother. So, I, it's, it's unbelievable. So blessed. Whoa, shiny. Holographic. Now, to be honest, many of the cards donated weren't as valuable as the ones Bradley lost. This is first edition. At least not to their former owners. But right now, you'd have to call them priceless. Oh, that's fantastic. What an act. <laughs> That's true. Jess, doesn't that resonate with you as, as a mom, like putting oh. something on top of the car as you're struggling with the kids, getting them in and out of the car, and then you drive away and it's still on there, and to have it be something that valuable to that kid. So, you know, it wasn't just the child who was upset. You can put yourself in, in oh, Kelly's. Oh, no, the mom yeah. was probably oh, even Kelly's, more upset. It's, 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 you're the one who put it up. These people, <clears throat> they love that part because they're allowed to actually just speak to one another like like we do here on the show. Oh, totally. Oh, they, this, they, they get off on this part. It's like, oh, that's, and they want, the producers want that. They're like, react, react to the story. Be be normal humans, right? Show the, hu the human interest side of the story. Um, Jessica Aguirre is like a classic for that. Actually, she's like the team mom. She's just she's such a goofball when, she, when they come back from from some of these stories. It's just great. Yeah, that was a good story. We don't really do any nice stories on here, so that was that was nice that we had it finished out with a good story. And that's the end of the show. So you wanna you wanna read us out, Councilman? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks very much as always for joining us, listener, loyal viewer, loyal. Uh, uh, chatters um, we're very great very grateful to have you and i look forward to seeing you again next friday at 8 p.m pacific um, and we'll keep you appraised of any scheduling changes that are going to be happening in uh, weeks and months to come but uh, once again stay tuned we're going to have a lot more on uh, recall watch coming up in the near future your ballot's coming in soon so be ready for that and on behalf of producer dave just wishing you all a very pleasant weekend make sure you're vaxxed and if you're not wear a mask it's fun this is Boomers by Periscope, and I'll be right back with Red Light.